All right, back once again for this, the 19th episode of the Startwell podcast. Uh, I'm Kasim, the founder and CEO of Startwell, here in the studio once again on King Street in downtown Toronto. This time I'm joined by a new member company here uh, whose name is Mergence Labs. Uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves and uh, we'll jump into what you do and um, and the magic word that's become a drinking game <laughs> on the second floor of Startwell. I love it. Uh, so I'm Mac Allen. I'm the managing partner here at Emergence Labs. We are a Salesforce implementation partner, uh, but really just a, a technology consulting and business process consulting firm. Uh, the visions that we're going to help small businesses and, and small to mid-sized firms find their way into technology in a more accessible fashion. Everybody's finding that it's 50, 60, 100 grand to get your foot in the door. We believe otherwise. And uh, technology's really helped us a lot, helped me a lot and where I've come from in my career. And putting Emergence Labs together to try and help companies navigate that tumultuous territory has been real fun and kind of keeps me uh, coming into the office every day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, my name is Mitch McCabe, and uh, I'm also a partner here at Emergence Labs. I joined Mac probably around September, October 18 last year, uh, shortly after he started the company. And um, we actually went to university together, so we kind of go way back. And he kind of asked me to join the team. And I came from a background of uh, financial operations. I worked at an accounting firm for four years. I had my uh, chartered accountant's license. So I started kind of helping with the books, and then it turned into something more. And uh, yeah, I've been learning the, the ropes of Salesforce, and me and Mac and our two other guys, Miles and Matt, been uh, trying to, you know, make it happen out there. For listeners that might not have caught those two things. So the magic word is Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the magic word. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Uh, but also that all, all of you, uh, your names start with M. And <laughs> yeah. that, that was something I picked up on right away when we first met. But that was, a, it's a coincidence or? It's math? straight coincidence and it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> It is when you sometimes tell clients, like, yeah, you're on the phone with Mac, Mitch, and Matt. People are like, are you serious? Like, are you going to start singing <laughs> now? <laughs> no, seriously, we can't. If all four of us were to visit a client office, which doesn't happen, but if we did, it would be a joke to introduce four people in a row with, with M names. Like, yeah, no one's funny. getting that. So mm -hmm. it's funny. Ah, it's good. We're going to hire another M soon, I hope. <laughs> Five to five, just keep the keep the trend. Yeah. What? Uh, okay, so let's talk about the company, Emergence Labs. Uh, first off, the name. What's emerging? What's the idea? <clears throat> emerging properties are like properties that are that emerge from. Uh, you know, I guess I'll back up. The whole statement is the uh, whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. So you might have like a human body, for example, has all these cells firing around atoms, whatever it might be. And out of all of those seemingly inanimate, non-living objects come consciousness and, and us being this living being. And you see emerging properties. They're properties that arise from the greater of its parts. Uh, so we like to think that with companies, we kind of help them make the most. We make the sum greater than its parts. So your means, we've said Salesforce a couple of times. Um, what do you do with Salesforce? And also, what's the background that you bring to creating this company from that world? Yeah, so uh, I worked at Salesforce for three, four years uh, before starting Emergence Labs. And then before that, 
uh, just like analytics work at Bell Canada, just slogging around trying to figure out how to silently steal from unsuspecting Canadians. Okay. And, uh, he said it. We didn't. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, I've, I found my way around data, always been a hobby developer, worked at Salesforce for a while and all that came together. And uh, yes, I mean, anyone who doesn't know what Salesforce is, it's a technology that allows businesses to keep track of and optimize relationships with their clients and if your business isn't doing that then i don't know what uh, you guys are up to out there <laughs> so uh, it's been real great for salesforce and good for us too uh so what what led to you leaving salesforce uh it was just selling the software so i was on the sales side not the technical side at the time right um i come from the technical background already and wanted to try my hand at that uh, learned and got exposed to what Salesforce was and kept selling Salesforce to small businesses because I could I could produce the vision and they loved it and they would buy the vision. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was difficult to then put the pieces together. So Mac sold me this thing. Now I'm off floundering on my own and I can't quite figure out how to make it work because right. what Mac said would work isn't really coming to fruition. Snake oil salesman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I'm done with the snake oil. I'm going on the other side and I'm going to turn the snake oil into wine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what we've been doing. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. So for my limited familiarity with Salesforce these days, I've, I've used it in the past. It's been a few years. Uh, I use what I have. Yeah. I won't go into like our, our stack or I'll go into it in a second, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, it's tools that I feel are a bit more agile and also our organization is very small. So we don't need to, you know, stitch 500 legacy softwares together through our CRM, which from what my understanding is Salesforce is powerful to be able to allow you to do. Um, so in your client work as emergence labs, uh, that uses Salesforce, what kind of things are you doing for people? Yeah, I think we're um, we're kind of trying to create a bit of a framework that, like Max said, is going to be really accessible for the small business market with Salesforce because, like you said, um, it's, t it's harder for small businesses to kind of get that uh, insight in. It's a lot of money generally for um, the implementation of it, so that's right. what we're trying to assess. But, yeah, we have uh, this framework that we like to use, and we set it up. Basically, we talk with the client and understand exactly what they want. We have a bunch of standard procedures that we use on every project. Yep. Kind of layouts, homepage layouts. Um, uh, we have, it's kind of weird to talk about like specific things that we do, <laughs> but um, essentially we set it up in a way that is going to work the best for them every day so that they're logging in every day to Salesforce yep. and their feed is populating for them in a closed loop system and it's spitting out accurate and useful data on a sales dashboard and cycle. Yeah, because I mean, this is my experience, uh, you know, as of again, couple of years ago when lightning was just kind of starting to be rolled out yeah. maybe yeah. like 2017 18 or 16, it was 2015 it started okay and it took them four years to get it passable right and now i love it but it's taken a while so that's the application framework for building on salesforce correct Lightning's more a UI, but it has come with its okay. own framework as well. So you're bang on. Yeah. Uh, but for most people, it's just going to be a friendlier UI than what they had back in 1999 when they started. So yeah. It kept for like 20 years. Yeah, it's like Windows 3.1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. Um, yeah. Because I remember the, the confusion and the, the you know, ang deep anxiety uh, that <laughs> our firm at the time <laughs> felt when we paid $10,000 to Salesforce right. and then we're like, what the hell is this? Because it can't do anything out of the box that we need it to do. 
Yeah. And at the time that was like simple stuff, just like filter my emails as they come in and out of my inbox for my leads, fill out profiles for those customers or leads and uh, and then keep track of like what we're actually talking to them about as stuff that's flowing through your software as text. You should be able to automatically parse that out and tag things. And it was just to get to that level required another kind of like $30,000 of customizations. <laughs> Uh, okay. And we, before we knew it, we were like 50,000 bucks in the hole and we weren't even using it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a very frustrating time. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, yeah, I mean, I, I use a whole different kind of methodology. Yeah, what do you now. do for now? Like you, you're getting emails well, in there. Do they, do so they auto create leads and things? Well, okay. So I'd start, well, we use, um, or our, our own team that runs the company uses uh, Streak as our CRM nice. because it's embedded into G Suite, and that's what we use for our kind of like, I guess, documents and, and general information exchange between us. Yeah. Um, so it's nice because our emails, it's just, it feels very fluid uh, for anyone that's listening that's interested in CRMs. Uh, Streak for me was revolutionary because it all it feels like is a CRM UI embedded into your G Suite or your Google uh, interface for, for email, which feels natural for me. Uh, example being, we get a form submitted from our website. Um, you know, it gets sent into one of our inboxes or a couple of our inboxes, uh, and automatically will now get kind of put into a pipeline as a lead. So, though we're using you know WordPress on the front end for our website, um, it's not stopping us from automatically qualifying a lead from a submission, and we don't need to use like Mercado, and you know like. Yeah. And uh, and Salesforce at the same time and figure out it's we can use a lot of scrappier tools, so yeah. So Streak for CRM, um, and then uh, yeah, and then we do stuff with Zapier a lot. So we connect uh, kind of workflows between our different software from its from the website to our member management portal and billing software. Uh, it's all kind of stitched together, but it's really conditional logic around actions. Um, so I guess you could do a lot of that in Salesforce itself, right? Uh, if that's what you were using, but it takes customization. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Salesforce, is the, it's the database that's the right the big like differentiator versus the current stack that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's almost database first, and a lot of companies kind of miss that, or Salesforce represents themselves poorly on that front. They're right. like, yeah, small business CRM just for you. <laughs> and it's great. Like we believe in Salesforce because we think that you should have a database and you should put yourself in a position where if your goal is to scale, yeah. that database is going to hold you back. Um, but it's not for everyone. And it's not always something you should do from the get-go. It's something you should kind of like hope to do. Mm-hmm. Is like get to Salesforce, put the right processes in place, get your company to a place where it's ready for Salesforce. And then people like us can come in and we can really make the business hum. So, so we, what are some examples of, of what you guys do that enable that kind of, uh, the you like, I guess it's nice to keep track of all your data. Yeah. But at what point does the sales flow data um, out of a database inform better process? Yeah. So it's diagnosing what <clears throat> character, what leads the business to its ideal outcome. I'd often that's revenue, right? So let's get more people in the door. Let's get more people choosing to buy and let's get people to buy more stuff. Uh, Those three questions are what we can answer in Salesforce on a day-to-day basis. And so great. Now management answers those questions. They can make business decisions off of it. 
And the better case, and that's where our true bread and butter, and I think what we do well versus other partners, is take that goal and say, well, I'm a rep. I'm sitting down at my desk in the morning. I've only got eight hours here. What should I do next in best pursuing those three aspects, getting more people in the door, having them buy, or having them buy more stuff? Mm -hmm. And if you can tell a rep, hey, this is the call you should make, or just plug and play, put a small a university kid in a chair and have him sell just as effectively as a five-year vet, mm -hmm. that's a game changer. Absolutely. So if you can get there, you know that's that's the, the vision. But a lot of people can't get there with Salesforce. That's what we're trying to help them out with. Yeah, I think something the biggest thing that we found has been the biggest holdback is adoption. Mm -hmm. Is like like you said, you kind of buy it out of the box and you have this great powerful tool at your side, but no real direction or use on how to get there. And so that's what we're trying to tackle the best. And um, it takes it takes work. It takes like a lot of training calls. That's why you hear yeah, yeah. you said your drinking game is when you hear us say Salesforce is because we're in there <laughs> on conference calls with our clients yelling at them, <laughs> you know, yeah. yelling with them, helping them, but yeah, right. but being loud about it. Yeah. And, so apologies for the for that for the noise yeah. but um no it's fun yeah it's it's sitting with them and and adopting with them and sometimes that's working with you know a rep that's just not understanding what we've built or just can't quite grasp it and we spend that extra hour with them until they feel comfortable in the system and it is an easy system for everyone like once you have good direction everyone can use it and use it effectively so that's what we've been trying to do so aside from kind of like salesforce customization it sounds like what, what also you do is you've created your um, flavor of Salesforce for people to get running with, right? Yeah. And then customize that depending on the organizational exactly, needs. Exactly, yeah. We've created like a base template that we start every new implementation with, and then from there we kind of branch off, and we keep adding to this template and changing it and um, you know, moving it as we go along. But You could tell an Emergence Lab Salesforce instance from 50 feet away. Like, we've got to take a look at that at some yeah. point. I can't yeah. believe I've not seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should check that with us. Yeah. yeah, you just hear about it, so you should see we'll it. Do that as a video. <laughs> we'll do it as another session that's a video session. Yeah, yeah actually, if any listeners are interested in, uh, in Salesforce specifically and in CRM customization stuff, maybe we could do it as, as kind of like a, not a webinar, but we'll do it as a live video thing that people can kind of like yeah, absolutely. tune into. Definitely. Wicked. Um, so then give me a picture of the type of customers you guys work for or work with, I should say. Yeah, we have two main niches that just align with CRM the best, and that's going to be like your manufacturing, distributor, logistics types companies where they have massive deal sizes, right, and right. they really need to have their pipeline honed, and forecasting super important for them because they spend a ton of money on facilitating their product every year. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is the SaaS company, so... Okay. Uh, I had this guy a few years ago made me laugh, um, say like, SaaS software is just a bunch of software companies all like, <laughs> selling to each other. He used some funnier words at the time, but uh, <laughs> it's just like basically software companies buying from software companies in this endless thing. And there's actually no value provided to anyone other than software companies. Um, so the most common customer actually is software companies buying uh, software from us because for them, like retention and a lifetime value for clients is critical and if you don't know what's going on with your customer base that lifetime value is going to disappear you're going to be churning a ton of customers not knowing about it or not knowing how to fix it and how are you guys doing your own sales process are people is it natural inbound i mean we walked into the studio talking about 
uh, content a little bit and you want to kind of jump in here and record some of your own stuff soon. But until that point, how are you guys driving your own sales? So yeah, we uh, we work with AEs and uh, reps at Salesforce that Mac has created relationships with over the years and that we've started to meet and, and uh, start working on deals with. So essentially they'll bring us in to kind of help sell the instance in the first place we can provide, mm-hmm. you know, that customization flavor and tell them, you know, more specifically what we can do for them. And sometimes it ends up uh, being the convincing reason why they buy Salesforce in the first place. So right. the reps are happy with, with us and <laughs> we're happy with the reps when they yeah. find deals that, you know, are in our niche markets and um, are, are looking for suitable things that we, that they know we can, we can knock out of the park. It's interesting. Cause it's one of the few, I think softwares that, um, Salesforce has actually gotten a lot better in the last years of this approach, right? Of saying that it is, like you said, Mac, it, it is um, the database for your company, realistically, and a lot of power under the hood, and it will require some work to get it to the way that you want it. But here, these are the guys that are going to help you. That's that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's a rare type of software in the world of software, I think, for that mm-hmm. to be able to be uh, palatable by customers, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's our what our methodologies come in, I think, differentiates us a lot. Is as much as Salesforce has this big network of partners, like we're one of thousands and thousands of companies that are doing the same kind of thing. Um, but there's still a lot of failure. Like a lot of partners can't get companies to where they need to go. Right. And, you know, partly on the companies not buying into the process, partly on the partners for not creating a good conduit <clears throat> for success. But that's what we're trying to tap into is say like, whoa, like our clients are successful and like we're we're committed to that. There's no way that we're walking away from this project without the client saying, you know what, I'm tapping out. I'm not interested, mm-hmm. but you guys did a good job. Um, that's the only case where we'd really have a client be unsuccessful. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I mean, you're you're in a very interesting kind of uh, service thing where, where essentially you are handholding your clients along their success directory and there's hopefully limitless kind of potential if they're large enough scale and if they're SaaS, I don't know. Can you cite any examples of your customers? Like who, who do you work with? Are there any particular ones of note that you want to call out as kind of case studyable? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we work with a few, um, a few software companies that people might recognize like 460 is uh, like an Instagram shoppable Instagram app. So okay. you might find yourself on like MVMT watches, one of those popular Instagram sellers sure. uh, on their website. And you can like hover over a watch for them. And it's going to be like, this is what this watch looks like on Instagram. And it kind of like aggregates photos okay. of that watch in real life. So that's a cool software company, customer of ours. We've got a few software companies out in Waterloo um, being Athena. Uh, Athena Software, kind of namely, just writing a case study on them now. What do they do? They do like case management software, so they more cater to like municipalities. So not as exciting and flashy <laughs> as uh, 460, <laughs> but they're definitely a more mature um, software company and and like a real big name in the Waterloo area. Okay. Um, although consumers wouldn't necessarily know as much about them. Sure. Um, and that's you know just the tip of the iceberg. We have over fifty successful clients so far and and counting mm-hmm. so, yeah exciting stuff so as a team how did you come together how did the the company i guess mac this is like you, you were like okay i need to do my own thing i want to like you know build on what i know at salesforce and you you set about to create the company what happened then in terms of 
Yeah, this I mean, is just like, you for typical a story. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, it was just me like slogging out on my own and figuring out what could happen and if I was even capable of of making a difference in the partner space. So many partners exist already. <laughs> yeah, and uh, started to get some early success. I was like, oh, wow, I guess we're validating the solution. It's working. And then I like reached out to a buddy of mine, and his brother was just like working at a hotel at the time and knew from university and i was like i believe in the fact that salesforce is supposed to be something that my customers can put a university kid in the chair of and sell the crap out of whatever they have yeah um so i was like oh i'm gonna buy into that so i'm gonna get a university kid never use salesforce and train them up one it's cheaper so i'm cheap on that front but two it kind of validated <laughs> the the whole idea that with the right kind of methodology anyone can do it sure and uh, so that was Matt. Uh, By the way, yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Mitch was uh, Mitch was a more impactful addition to the team. So he, I brought him on as a partner because um, he's got all this financial experience. And the big equation is great. We're talking about CRM and customers, but if we can't say how profitable is this customer to right, you, right, and rank them in real time, like I walk in your front door, you know, I'm one of your top ten most profitable customers. You probably know that already, but a lot of companies can't quite answer that that well. Mm -hmm. The financial side's big, so Mitch has been huge on on that side. So, shortly after, brought him in. Had another university friend, Miles. So it's, we're pretty much all like friends in a network. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys play yeah. ba basketball together, is that right? Yeah. Play yeah. basketball together. Drink together. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, yeah. The first time I met Mac was in first year university in residence. Like he just happened to be in my hall. So like oh, okay. I had a random roommate and him and his friend uh, Brandon from high school. Uh, we're down the hall for me and I, we just became friends just from being in stuck on the same yeah. floor and then <laughs> ended up like living together in university and, and here in Toronto for a bit as well. And then wow. reconnect here. And yeah, so for, from my side, I think Max summed it up great there. But, um, like I said, I was working at an accounting firm for over four years. I quit at the, at the start of last summer mm -hmm. of June and I was like, oh, you know, I'll take a month off and figure out what I want to do next. And one month turned into two months and three months. And then I was, I was <laughs> then really you're freaking out. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Like, I didn't. Well, he wasn't even looking for jobs. Yeah. He was literally <laughs> just enjoying not working. Oh. He yeah. was like, yeah. ah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> made enough money already. I'm fine. <laughs> retiring. Yeah, retiring at 25. I had a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, bit of a crisis there because I didn't want. But then uh, <laughs> didn't know what I wanted to do. Basically, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I, right. I wanted to make the next decision you know the right one right. and it, it's tough sometimes when you're lost in today's world and in toronto with all these things happening and everyone especially coming out of a professional you know mm -hmm. i would assume a professional kind of track where yeah school you start working and then okay you're doing it mm -hmm. and is exactly this it? is this everything and it was yeah. that for me as well like don't want to get too, around, too, like... too far into my past here but uh sure. kind of started right like the day, like the week after we graduated uh, we were here, me and Mac basically just picked a spot on the map. I didn't even know <laughs> anything about Toronto, any villages, nothing. We just like picked a spot, got an apartment because I had to start work the next week and, wow. you know, head down for four years since then. So yeah. this was kind of my first... four years to get a job after. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> Yeah, so it was kind of like the first head up moment. And then, yeah, I started kind of helping Mac out with just some of the financial stuff, like some bookkeeping, you know, incorporation stuff that I picked up over my time at, mm -hmm. um, at my accounting firm and... Then he asked me to, to kind of come on full time and start seeing what we can do. And it's been awesome ever since. We've been having a lot of fun and uh, I've been learning a ton about the world of Salesforce and CRMs. And 
using my financial knowledge to try to tie the knot. We use uh, I I can't ever tell if it's Zapier or Zapier as well. I, I heard say Zapier. <laughs> I, it just sounds, I heard you say Zapier before, epic. and I was they like, have like zaps, so I yeah, can exactly. Zapier, yeah. but I don't know. But like, I they can't. need to do a thing. <laughs> it sounds they need cool to, let us know. to me if it's Zapier. I think know? Zapier it's too, like, and I always yeah. say that it's yeah. like a it's like a sword, is a rapier, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rot, yeah. Is it a Zapier? Maybe it's a. Z- it, yeah, I think you're right though, because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. No idea. Anyways, we've been. We've been toying around with um, trying to connect useful um, accounting data from Salesforce as well and using uh, Zapier or Zapier yep. to do so. And we do it in our instance for like our internal stuff as well. And it's just basically, like you said, any action on Salesforce could trigger an, uh, an equal action in QuickBooks and back and forth and talking to them or whatever it's software. cool how much you can do with that stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the coolest, coolest middleware tool that's been built by far. And those guys are all in a distributed workforce. They don't even have an office. I know. It's amazing. Yeah, they're, crazy. they're cool. I've done some crazy stuff with it. Like in the past, <laughs> I created um, the world's first that I, I think that I know of. Um, no, it is. It's definitely uh, automated deployment architecture for uh, a cloud hosted version of this open source software called uh, Rocket Chat. Rocket okay. Chat is like is the biggest. It's supposed to be like single instance. So not really like a cloud um it's not really a SaaS architecture for creating alternatives to slack but it's essentially like an open source slack that anyone can install on their own server okay but the big posit i had when i discovered i was like holy shit this is free slack out there right (laughs) and where slack's eight bucks a user yeah that seems like an amazing kind of scale business for for medium to large size companies that want to have a chat tool this was like four years ago or something yeah. Um, so I used like Zapier in literally two days to create this system that kind of like deploys an instance of the software on a cloud hosting platform um, based on like a Stripe signup form on a website. So someone just pays what? for a subscription and then Zapier pushes it off, off to the cloud, says deploy this based on these fields that someone enters in in terms of their preferred URL and stuff, right. which is just Stripe data. Yeah. So it enters into the customer record, bills them, deploys the server, and then you know that connected it to like Mailchimp or something to sell, send a welcome email. Awesome. And it was just all literally just yeah. a couple days, you know, and and a couple cloud services, and I had a whole business. Yeah. And it was cool because I actually linked up with the the, the core team in Brazil for that open source uh, product and consulted with them on on their whole. Uh, SaaS architecture and then handed off whatever I had saying, you know, I, I didn't actually want to do it as a business. Right. It was around the time I was starting Startwell. Um, so I handed it off. But yeah, all Zapier. That's, so, it yeah. Was like an That's instant, really cool. Instant business, you know? Yeah. yeah. If anybody's not checking it out, like you could be, you could create a software business like that. Like that's a great story. And become a customer of Emergence Labs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll help you out. <laughs> yeah, so, so I have a question for you. How yeah. did you mentioned that was around the time you started Startwell? Like, mm-hmm. what uh, what kind of drove you to you know create this awesome uh, shared office space on King West? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's a long and sorted <clears throat> tale. Actually, it's not really. It, there's a couple ways I, I answer that, right? Typically, the long one is 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 really just everything in my career history since I was a teenager hustling internet access in the '90s in Africa. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was one of the first people online in Kenya when the internet came and the internet came uh, circumventuously 
by way of the United Nations Environment Program. So the UNEP's headquarters for the world is in Nairobi. And um, I used to do model the United Nations at the, the UN. So I, I kind of knew as a high school student, I knew the campus and I knew some people that worked there. And when they got a leased line, which was actually, sorry, it wasn't even leased. I mean, what they got, it was essentially a sat line to the internet. So super expensive at the time. Like God knows how much Crazy. that cost. Oh, yeah. They And it was super slow. They had the satellite connection that was giving the United Nations their internet connection. I linked up uh, with this nonprofit that was founded by a guy who then became a minister in the government. Um, and he created this nonprofit that somehow, because it was a nonprofit, I guess, right. he convinced the United Nations to, to do a lease line from their campus to this little house that he owned. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, We'll lease like, I don't know, it was like 10K baht or something from you. <laughs> Run it over right. copper wire. Uh, I hope no one steals the copper wire because that was a big problem in Nairobi at the time. People would like cut down lines for the copper and <laughs> sell the copper in the market. <laughs> so your telephone line could disappear at any moment. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, ah, oh, they got it again. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, some, some son of another minister in the government gave me access credentials to log into this guy's ISP, which really no one knew about. There's like five of us or 10 of us that used it. It wasn't right. a real ISP. It was just this house with a couple of people that were using these modems plugged into this line that was stolen off of a satellite connection from the United Nations. Anyway, <laughs> so that's where my crazy career with internet stuff began. Yeah. But it was revolutionary because the way I discovered the internet was as a Canadian who at age 11 moved to Nairobi, okay. was living in this, you know, dictatorship and was like set apart from the world that I knew. So I immediately connected with the ability for the internet to open up uh, multilateral communication and facilitate new relationship formation. Um so ever since then, like in the last 20 plus years, I've been thinking about this idea of kind of insider-outsider perspective, how people need to come together, the early internet, and then what happened in the last 10 years of its rapid commercialization, how that kind of, um, I think, broke apart the shared experience or has stratified the shared experience online a little bit. So in the last decade of doing all sorts of other internet stuff um, and starting a few startups, you know, I've had teams that flexed in size, worked remotely, worked across the world. So I had companies like I had a Bollywood distribution company that was like a Netflix for India oh, awesome. called Get Filmy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I used to fly to India to license films. And we had an audience there. We had an audience in like the UAE. We had all sorts of people that would subscribe to watch Bollywood films on my platform that I had like That's built awesome. myself, That's which awesome. is kind of crazy. Um the business didn't work. It was far too expensive to license the films and you couldn't get catalog refresh quick enough. And, and then right. it, there's so many other things that happened. Yeah, we, we had worked with this group to license the Virgin brand for India. So we were going to wrap my company with the Virgin brand nice. and acquire $40 million of assets that were film production studio and film um, distribution uh, studios in India. And we went shopping all around the world for the money. We got a backing 20, but we couldn't get the front 20 million. And that was the point where I kind of threw in the towel. Um, but in all that kind of experience of doing lots of different uh, companies in the last couple of decades around the world, this idea of kind of like people coming together to do something together um, has only increased in, in the, or the importance on that I, I've only uh, seen increase. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been in Toronto since uh, 2004 or five. 
from like where were you living before that? I was in New York before that for a little while. Okay. Um, but yeah, moving to here was the scene, and it's been on previous. You know, listeners of our podcast will will recall some nostalgia on previous episodes <laughs> where I've talked to a couple of people about like the the tech scene here in you know two thousand five, six, seven, eight, like a decade ago, um, right around the time that Facebook was just about to come about. You know, and all the social yeah. networking stuff was new. Um, it was like a meetup in the tech scene here was like 50 people max. Right. You know, and now we have these like tech TO type of events that are like what, five, 600 people. <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, they don't even have to tell people the events happening and they're already there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so a lot's happened. And so in with that, you know, I've been looking at, um, I guess where people work together in specifically it's st- like for startups, um, and in the last few years, especially with running SoftLayer and then IBM's uh, startup program across Canada, uh, was one of the, the positions I held in the last little while. Um, I looked at all the incubator accelerators and you know co-working spaces across Canada, and I saw something lacking, especially in Toronto, which is um, this merger of kind of like space for innovatives or innovators, which could be technologists or other people, and creatives. And I, I see these two worlds kind of being pulled in different directions, especially with real estate becoming so expensive in Toronto. Right. Um, so I founded Startwell with the posit of creating a kind of a space for the interconnection of the arts, creativity, uh, and technology, uh, a place where really people could kind of like come together. Um, and particularly, and I don't know if you guys uh, have found this already, but like I really wanted it to be a place where people were professional about whatever they were undertaking as their, as their business. So it's not really like kind of people looking for validation. You know, you have a lot of these startup spaces (laughs) where people are like building on an idea, their ideation, their pre-seed, they get some money from someone and they don't know if if they should have, they feel kind of like thieves. They stole that money and they're, you know, uh, they're just like, they're just hustling and they don't know what the hell's going on kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas here, I think everyone's kind of doing their thing. The second, third time founders, if they're startups, Otherwise, the services companies that have like founded for an actual mission, yeah. and um, so the energy is totally different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's a long-winded kind of right on. Well, we, by we no means exhaustive answer. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, like, it's funny because we worked in my apartment around a table. We had like a plastic table, and then my like little kitchen table in a yeah. Toronto <laughs> apartment here, right? Like, no one has k- tables. <laughs> we had a little table and a plastic table, and. Uh, we were all four, like, sitting around it and just kind of working, grinding, growing the business to the point where we just had our eyes set. We started looking around at, like, the different work co-working spaces in right. January and then moved in here in, in March or whatever. But, uh, yeah, this has been awesome for us, and we love the space that you've put together. So a lot better than my yeah. apartment, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, it's cool for sure, uh, kind of your vision there of uh, – keeping the arts uh, and technology people together and you can see that here for sure you have bu- we have a bunch of musicians here i've met and right, it's a true, bunch right? of uh people doing really interesting stuff and even just striking up conversation with anyone you see and uh you know in the event space or in downstairs it's I've, it's been very interesting and there's a lot of cool people here so we're that's really awesome. enjoying it that's great feedback thanks mm-hmm. man no yeah. and that's that's what i hear from everyone and it's it's cool because it's like it's not you know, meant to be a pat on the back. It's just that we all, I think, share that love of kind of social interaction and the feeling of opportunity every day around us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it's about. Yeah, and you see people 
people grinding it out and it inspires you to work a little harder as well and you hear people next door doing cool stuff you're like all right let's go <laughs> yeah and there's such a diverse group of businesses in here too totally and like there's like game developers downstairs and stuff like we yeah you can catch the whole spectrum here nice yeah it's nice if there's any creatives that are willing to do some like murals and stuff for us <laughs> now i want to get like an emergence labs like poster or something big done up oh yeah yeah and put up in our office so we can hook you up with some we'll people. To, we'll have to chat with some. Also, creators. I see your dartboard over in your office, Cassim. Yeah, wanna... I never play darts. We wow. gotta, we gotta hit that. Say, up. I want to come Let's over. I, I want smoke. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's some fun treats in our office. We got a little bar that's growing in our office. Nice. Then we there never drink because we have an actual bar on campus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with the socials, we've just been so busy. It's seemingly like Thursdays around that time become just a super busy time for us. But we've yeah. been wanting to come every week. We're like, we gotta go this week. We want to get up there and start talking to people. But we had like we haven't come to as many as we like. But we'll be uh, we'll be coming this summer. We'll be uh, no, yeah. the summer ones are fun too. You know, because yeah. we uh, for anyone that's listening, feel free to drop by. Uh, typically, we Thursday from four to six p.m. Uh, and in summer, they they run a little bit longer. Uh, but we do these socials where it's our community can invite their clients, um, you know, friends, family, whoever, and just come by for an open bar and hang out. Um, but in the summertime, we'll have like guest DJs and it gets kind of fun. Nice. It opens up, you know, we have the windows yeah. open and people come in from the street. It's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So I love that space up there. Yeah. <laughs> and otherwise, so murals, but anything else before we uh, before we end this conversation, we'll continue with with many more sessions, I'm sure. I definitely want to take a look at, at what you guys have built and share that with, with uh, our audience um, over the internet. But um, yeah, Emergence Labs, what's happening in the next few months? Anything that you need? Are you guys hiring? Are you looking for particular collaborators or partners that you want to just shout out on the mic? Yeah, I mean, it, the shout out would surely be that we're always looking to uh, collaborate with other businesses that are trying to take small to mid-sized businesses to the next level. Um, we often will rec make recommendations to our clients of other partners that are adjacent to our services. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we need talent, big talent, visionary talent, um, and talent that's uh, willing to take pride in their work for sure. So we're we're hoping to hire a couple bodies this year and in grow what into capacity? the space. Any particular capacity though, like in sales? The type in... of yeah, the type of person that's going to do well in our space is is kind of like a. There's this concept of full stack developers. Right. I want to put out a concept of a full stack consultant. So. You're well versed in business. You're also well versed in technology, and finding that intersection is very difficult. It's funny. It's weird yeah. how people are like. Yeah, you're either it's, on the front end of business yeah. or you're in the back end grinding it out, and yeah. there should be that harmony between the yeah. two roles right yeah you're either good at putting powerpoints on and doing presentations strategy or you're good with with code and a laptop and don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> we're all not that we're right in the middle of them um so we're always looking for people that have those kinds of skills nice well i yeah it's funny because yeah i can already think of a couple people that bounce your way that's <laughs> funny i it, it's rare you know like whenever yeah. you have a conversation in passing with someone and they say oh you know html oh my god was it difficult to learn like, well, you could just teach yourself like, literally <laughs> in, in two hours, man. Just yeah. Go online, you Super know. Easy. Uh, so the people who ask me that, I, I won't send your way. But the ones yeah. who are like, yeah, of course, man, I do a little bit of CSS and I built my site from scratch. Why would I use a you know, CMS? I'll do yeah. my own thing. I'll yeah. send them your way. 100%. Yeah, that'd be cool. Wicked. Appreciate awesome, it, Cass. It was a pleasure taking some time to chat. 
Yeah, thanks for having us on. And lastly, I guess if people are looking for you online, where should they find you? Emergencelabs.io. And it's emergence, uh, which is a C-E at the end. People uh, often get that one wrong when it's said out loud. So emergence, E-M-E-R-G-E-N-C-E, uh, labs.io. And then emergence underscore labs on Twitter. Okay. And of course, uh, anyone listening to this can go to the show page on startwell.co slash community. It'll be in there. And then, of course, uh, the description uh, with some of these links will be on iTunes as well, if that's where you're listening to this podcast. So feel free to join us uh, at our website or on iTunes to uh, to bounce over to these guys directly. Awesome. awesome. Wicked. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot, sir. It was a pleasure. Cheers.